for the past, present, and future of all animals. This is the Zookeeper's Voice with your host, Danny Jirasi. Hello, and welcome to an all new episode of the Zookeeper's Voice. I'm your host, Danny. The last time you heard from us, we had a very special guest scheduled for this episode. However, due to scheduling conflicts, we've had to push it back to a later date. We look forward to bringing you that episode in the near future. Today, we're going to be talking to Patty Dawson, the president of Dallas Dogger, a nonprofit coming to us today from Dallas, Texas. Now, Dallas Dogger, which stands for Rescue, Rehab, and Reform, is a group of dedicated animal-loving volunteers working to save as many dogs as possible. Now, more often than not, Dallas Dogger takes on the underdogs, the ones who are left behind, the broken, and most impossible cases. This is definitely reflected in their mission statement, as Dallas Dogger rescues the hurt, the abandoned, rehabilitates the broken, and educates and reforms the community to eliminate animal neglect. Without further ado, Let's go ahead and take a listen to our talk with Patty Dawson, the president of Dallas Dogger. Hello, Patty. Welcome to the Zookeeper's Voice. How are you doing today? Great. Thank you. How are you? I'm great. Well, we're so excited to have you on the show today. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, I am a previous educator. I took a year off to run the rescue. Um, I work with behavior autism in the school district as well as um, a, a mom of a 13-year-old and a wife and a pet owner. <laughs> awesome. You've got a lot of things going on. Yes. Yes. Stay busy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. definitely. So tell us, um, for those of us who don't know about Dallas Dogger, about how the organization came about, um, when it came about, and what's your goal as an organization? So um, it originally started uh, probably about five or six years ago when Marina moved here and there was such a high stray population in Dallas um, where pretty much you could drive and there were stray dogs everywhere. Um, she started the reform process of going down and working with communities and trying to get those dogs and get them into off the street or, in, you know, if needed be to the shelter or to fosters, wherever she could go to get them off the street. Um, she then began, got a rally of people behind her. They were called the Marina Groupies for a while, and there was a Facebook page, and they were helping her. Um, and then a group of us got together and volunteered and decided that it was time to take to the next level and um, do a nonprofit. So we applied for the nonprofit status, and we received that on November 15, 2015. So um, almost four years, the organization has been in um, full effect, and we have grown um, almost triple in size um, from the day we started. Wow, that's amazing. And so some of our, you know, the org the goal of the ultimate goal of the organization is really to um, hopefully eventually get to a no kill state. Um, Texas has one of the largest. Um, it is the largest. Sorry. Um, kill state. Uh, we kill the most dogs in Texas. Um, and it's not just due to the size. Um, it's due to the fact of there's just a huge um, you know, a huge issue in Dallas. So our ultimate goal is get to the point where um you know, all animals are uh, off the streets. There's no strays and we can get shelters to be where they're no kill. Absolutely. That is an amazing goal. Um, before we started recording, you had mentioned that you are from New Jersey. And like I said, I'm from San Antonio. So yes. 
can you tell the audience a little bit about the difference between living um, up north and then living in Texas? Because from my experience, it's night and day. So I'm sure the audience would love to hear that. (laughs) Yes. Oh, gosh. When I'm um, coming from New Jersey in a small town, um, it's funny. I would rescue dogs and most of them were strays. And my dad was very generous that when I would find dogs hit or a rabbit or a bird, that he would support my cause and I would rescue them um, and get them fixed. And owners would come and then owners would pay us back. You know, like they were like so grateful. Well, so that's kind of my perspective of rescue up north is that pretty much there isn't an issue. Like I didn't I wasn't aware there was a dog issue until moving to Texas. Right. Um, And then moving to Texas, um, the sense of regard or. Uh, the way we own a pet in Texas, it's more about property. You'll hear it often that a dog is property versus a family member where I wouldn't know anything other than just having a family pet. And I would never think of giving it up under any circumstances. We're out here, the rate of owner surrender, the rate of dogs just in a yard, um, dogs just loose because it's just easy. You know, they're loose running the streets. And when dogs are not spayed and neutered, they have a higher drive to be out on the streets and break out. So um, it's a huge difference. Um, the owner surrender rate is very high. Shelters are full to capacity. Um, there are some shelters that can euthanize um, some, some, you know, I know in the South Texas, some of them were euthanizing up to a thousand a week. There were so many strays and so many dogs coming to the shelter. So it is a huge difference. Um, just the mentality you know, one of our goals as an organization is educating as part of the reform and going out and educating those owners and fixing their fences, providing them food, getting them medical care, working on getting them spayed and neutered. So, you know, that's, it's a huge difference coming out here and being up north. Absolutely. After moving up here, I, I, and I've talked to people about what it's been like to live in Texas compared to living up here in Massachusetts. A lot of people cannot even imagine what it's like seeing strays running around on the street where I just remember um, where I would be walking my dog and you'd have a stray dog all of a sudden running with you. And that was normal. And so you almost had to prepare for that, even just walking outside of your door, especially for somebody like me who had a small dog, not that they were necessarily going to do anything, but I mean, you could, there's dogs everywhere. And that is an issue though. We also do have the stray dogs and we have lots of, um, Dallas area has a lot of, uh, loose dog problems where they'll attack people walking their dogs or their dogs get attacked. So that's another huge issue that we do have that you're absolutely right. That is different from up North. Absolutely. And I always talk about, um, we had an instance where I was walking my dog with my mom and a very large dog saw us and started chasing us. Mm-hmm. And we, unfortunately, we started running because, which we, in hindsight, we shouldn't have done because that automatically makes the dog chase. Right. But we literally ran and the dog was jumping up trying to grab my dog. And luckily a neighbor was able to open their door and somebody I didn't know but I don't know what would have happened because this dog easily could have overpowered myself and my mom. So, I mean, up here, people would never imagine a place where you really feel on your guard constantly, even just walking a dog that you do take care of. So, and 
that's just one story of that I have from growing up. So I can't even imagine being part of the muscle that is trying to fix the problem. It's difficult. It's a, it's a, it's a very difficult problem. One thing we get when we post on our, you know, Facebook pages, they're like, you know, especially we have so many followers up North. They're like, prosecute. Why can't you prosecute? You know, that's animal cruelty or that's animal neglect. Um, it's really hard out here because the enforcement of those are very difficult. Absolutely. And there's so much of it happening. There's, I don't even know where they would start, but, um, so you guys are obviously trying to save as many dogs as possible. Can you go ahead and tell our listeners about the efforts behind transporting dogs up North and why that helps your efforts in Texas? Yes. So just a little bit about what our intake is, um, dogs. We're, um, asked daily to save dogs. Um, on average, we intake anywhere from 125 to 150 a month. And on uh, the last two years, we have saved um, over 1,000. This past year was almost 1,400 dogs. Amazing. Um, yeah. So in since we've been, um, I don't know the exact number right now, we're working on calculating all that. But I would say we've, since we started, over 3,000 dogs. And we've probably transported over 1,000. And why transport is important is because we have such a large number of dogs in Texas and shelters and adopters have two or three dogs, you know, the ability to adopt is, is less. So getting these dogs out of Texas to areas, like you said, don't have dogs, shelters are empty. Um, we were talking, we partner with Washington, um, a lot. We have a Seattle and, um, Washington is a big place. We transport once a month. We probably transport anywhere from 20 to 40 dogs. Um, and that allows those dogs where some of our dogs can stay with us, especially their larger breed, not just pitbulls. People are under the perception that it's just pitbulls, but not like your brown dogs, your black dogs, your I hate to call them your basic dogs, but the kind of dogs that are the mutts, a lot of people, you know, they're overlooked a lot because of their size. Um, but I even have fluffy small dogs that sit with us from two to three to six months in our foster care. And we are not a shelter. We are, um, we are all foster based. So if we have two to 300 dogs, I have two to 300 fosters. Wow. Um, so sending them up North, we have seen, um, they get adopted in two to three days. Uh, the most they're there is two weeks. If it's a more difficult dog, it can be there a month, but nothing compared to here. And we get such amazing stories and happy lives of how they're doing. We send letters so they know how to contact us. Um, we have a foster group where they join and give us updates. So it's an amazing experience and an amazing opportunity for these dogs that may have been killed at a shelter or may have not gotten an opportunity to be adopted here and they have found their forever family. Um, it, it's an amazing, it, however, it does cost a lot. So an average dog to send on transport is like $300. Wow. So it's 150 to transport North and it's about between the vetting. Cause you have to have current heartworm tests. They have to have current, um, shots and, um, a health certificate. And that runs about 150. So, and I would imagine average, say, 300 to transport a dog up north. And I would imagine that that $300 is actually at a at a discount cuz I feel like um It is. I feel like when I do my own dogs vet bills, I'm always amazed at how it how expensive it is. So 
I'm sure that that's, you know, people helping you out where they can um, in terms of cost. Yeah. So they give us a discounted on, on most of our supplies to average vet a dog. Like when we get it in from intake is probably most of our dogs are heartworm positive And a lot of people up North don't know what that is, but it's from the mosquitoes. Cause I had no idea what that was before moving here. Um, so most of our dogs between basic vetting, which is your shots, chip, um, spay and neuter, that's about, um, can run anywhere from 350 to 400 heartworm treatment can run anywhere from 400 to a thousand. Um, and then we get a lot of injured dogs as well. Cause we are a medical based rescue. So an average dog I say can cost anywhere from 350 puppies are more expensive to a thousand dollars. Wow. Especially without, um, without having that money really coming from anywhere specific, that's an amazing undertaking that you guys are doing. So one thing I did want to ask is, it sounds to me like you guys don't have a physical location currently. Is that correct? We don't. We do not have a current um, building. But that is that is on our, um, we are actually um, looking at either two options. We've looked at building a facility um, and trying to get um, we've launched that. We've actually uh, spoke to an architect. So we are designing what we would like. And then hopefully we'll get that announced for some sponsorships. But we're also looking at a section option that might be that we just open a vet office that can treat our animals as well as some other rescue animals so that it would help um, cut our costs so that we would have all of our vetting done in one central location. Um, but those are two options we are looking at. But again, cost a lot of money. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, how would having a physical location or a vet office change what you guys do day to day? The vet office would cut our costs and help us um, better organize our medical, knowing that it's all in one place where right now we have probably anywhere from 15 to 20 vets that we use. But number one, it would cut our cost immensely because everything would be at, at the expense of our vet. Like We would hire a vet and so really we would be paying for the vet and the medical supplies versus all of the office visits and everything um, we spend. So it would help us um, to better serve the animals. And a facility would help us to um, get all our animals that are out of boarding for whatever reason, whether somebody's out of town. So that's another expense. It would The facility would also have a vet in it and it would allow office space, um, meet and greets, trainings, um, to be able to bring, bring the community in as part of that reform, educating, um, and offering classes and having everything in one location would allow us to better serve our purpose and get our mission out there. Absolutely. It sounds like that having a physical location would help you to continue doing all that work that you're doing and having a central location um, to be able to make that happen. Yes, it would. So, Patty, tell me, the greatest challenge for your organization, what is that and how exactly do you tackle that? Uh, well, we have several challenges. Um, I would say the biggest one we have is the request of saving dogs daily. I probably can receive anywhere from 100 to 200 requests. And it's really hard to pick and choose what dog you're going to save and how you have the funds for that dog. Or can you make the funds to save that dog? Or do you even have a place for that dog? Meaning as soon as I get a request for a dog, um, I have to say, will I be able to find a foster? Will we be able to raise the money to cover that dog? Because it might not just be 
a spay and neuter. It could be a surgery. It could be hospitalization, many things that go along with that dog. Um, so our two biggest uh, would be fund, excuse me, fundraising and fosters. And then our second um, largest is keeping volunteers. We get a lot of volunteers, but um, I think sometimes they think it's easy to come in and, you know, volunteer, but our volunteers work really, really hard. It's and not easy. It, I'm sure. It's not, it's not easy. It's, it's emotionally straining. It's a lot of work. It's 24 hours because sadly, you know, dogs are in need all through most of the time, you know, holidays are the worst and evenings are the worst because, sh you know, shelters and hospitals are closed. So definitely. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you guys are tackling those challenges head on though. It sounds like you've got a whole lot of muscle that uh, you're able to run this organization and you're, that you're, you keep bringing it forward. We, we, we do. We beg, we ask for help. We have a lot of amazing supporters and a lot of amazing volunteers that will step up in a crisis if we need it. Awesome. So tell me as president of the organization, what does a day, a typical day look like for you? Um, so it's, it's a busy and it varies from day to day, but on average, I usually have to, um, in the morning, um, I'll usually have to take a few dogs to the vet and kind of check in and make sure everything's going okay with our medical dogs. Um, then I'm answering emails, um, reaching out to sponsorships, um, talking to our fosters daily, um, going up and checking on our dogs and boarding making sure they have everything they need, um, networking, um, publicity, getting all of that out there. So I stay pretty busy. Um, we get a lot of requests from shelters. So I, on an average, I get one or two day requests a day to say that there's a dog that's an urgent need dying in the shelter that we either have to get transport for, or I need to go get it and get it to the vet. Um, so basically maintaining the medical volunteers and, um, you know, day-to-day -day operations, keep, keeping the emails, making sure everything's done, um, coordinating a bunch of volunteers and, and groups. So it just, you know, I stay pretty busy for sure. <laughs> yeah, it definitely sounds like it. So what is next on the horizon for Dallas Dogger Rescue? Um, so our goal next is really to increase. We really, two things we're working on is the facility for sure. Um, and actually, um, in conjunction with that, a transport vehicle because we do transport so much that we spend a lot of money on renting vans and things like that. So um, one of the things to go with the facility is we are looking for um, the ability to get a transport vehicle to get our dogs, you know, to and from events or to and from um, locations to get that transport to happen. Even locally, we pull dogs from all over Texas. And um, one thing I will tell you that's funny is being up North and, you know, being from San Antonio, that when my friends from up north will be like, hey, can you save this dog? And it's in like Corpus Christi that they don't realize that that's an eight hour drive for me. Right. It's not <laughs> close by. <laughs> not close. So we have to pay people to transport. So that's one of the things that we're looking for is getting that transport vehicle and then the facility. And then um, really upping um, our number one goal is to really up the amount of dogs that we can send up north which is trying to find a way to get sponsorships for that, um, donations for that, because an average transport, um, just for the trans, just to hire the transporter that drives the dogs to Washington can vary anywhere from four to six to $7,000. And then, um, 
the medical that we have to have done before that is added to that. So um, really trying to increase that to save these dogs. There's, there's places up north that are re resorting back to breeders because they don't have dogs and there's waiting lists on Pet Finder. So we don't have a shortage for dogs. So trying to increase that and get that to be a regular thing that we can afford um, and getting those dogs out of Texas so that we can help more. So those would be our three top things, the facility, a vehicle, and really working on getting that transport. Awesome. I, I think that all sounds amazing. And it sounds like you guys are really pushing towards, you know, making a big change, even a bigger change than you already have in Texas. So now, um, before we start wrapping up, can you tell us what has been the most important lesson that you've learned in your journey? Oh, um, the biggest lesson, uh, you know, there's a couple of things actually, um, as tough as it is sometime when you look at what you do, the tough lesson I've learned is I cannot save them all. I, I can't. Um, and, and that's hard. It's really hard when you see what I see on a daily basis, um, and to focus on what I can change. Um, but a lesson that I have learned is that even when you think it's the worst it can be and it's really low and that you're not going to make it that when you reach out to people, there is still a lot of people out there willing to help and willing to give back. So I think the lesson I learned is no matter hard, how hard it is, it's definitely harder for others as well. Like it, I'm not the only one in that boat and using my support team to get there and knowing I can do the best I can do. Even if I say five dogs out of 10, that's five dogs that had a chance that didn't have a chance before. Absolutely. That's incredible right there. Now, for those who are local, as well as those who live far away, how can anyone who's listening today help support the cause of Dallas Dogger? Well, you can follow us on our website, which is um, www.dallasdogrrr.org. And then you can also go to our Facebook page, which is um, Facebook, and then it's the Dallas Dog RRR. And we have a Twitter as well as Instagram. Um, and so we do constant updates. Um, we constantly um, are letting you know what's going on, not just with our medical cases, but um, events that we have coming up when we do our fundraisers. And the other way is you can also email us at hello at dallasdogger.org. If you um, have any questions or any ways you, you know you can help, and you'll get someone to get back with you um, really, usually within 24 hours. Wonderful. So I'm sure that people who are listening right now are wondering how they can donate to the cause, because even if they can't be there, um, how can they go ahead and donate money, items, anything like that to the cause, whether they're local or far away? Yes. So we have an Amazon wish list. Um, so uh, that's on our website and on our Facebook page. But if basically, if you go into Amazon, um, you can search Dallas Dogger and our wish list is always present. Um, and that's updated regularly with items that we need specifically for our dogs. And then you can go to our website, www.dallasdogrrr slash donate. And that will take you to our donate page. But we also um, have a PayPal, which is donate at dallasdogrrr.org. And you can donate there. Wonderful. 
Well, is there any last thoughts that you want to leave with our audience today? You know, just letting um, just letting them know that um, I didn't touch upon it, um, this a lot in, in it, but um, the Dallas Dog RRR, the RRR actually uh, stands for Rescue, Rehab, and Reform. Um, and we dedicate ourselves to um, not only rescuing the animal, um, but we rebuild that animal emotionally, physically, mentally, um, and we build it back from help. No, there's no money spared. So we're not a rescue, the average rescue that um, takes in a dog and it's, you know, oh, it's, it's better and it goes off. We, we take the hard. We, we are known for taking the most difficult case. We take the one that nobody wants. We say it's the unwanted dog. So we work on rehabbing it, um, water therapy, whatever it needs to get what it, it needs to be to be successful. And then we go back and we work on reforming the community. So we go back and educate those people that had the dog or when someone wants to surrender the dog, we try to provide resources or medical support to help actually keep that dog in the home. So rather than surrender it to the rescue, we raise funds to help you fix your dog and then give you the tools you need to be successful to keep that dog. Because that's huge. We can't keep taking dogs. We have to educate the owner as well. Absolutely. Well, it sounds like everything that you're doing is without a doubt making a huge impact in Texas. And we want to thank you today for coming on the Zookeeper's Voice and sharing what you're doing. Thank you so much. Thank you for helping us get our words out there. Absolutely. Well, we look forward to um, seeing what you guys are doing down in Texas and as well as maybe here in the future, hearing about all the awesome changes that you're making in facilities, vans, all those things. So we look forward to catching up with you further down the road. Yes, I would love that. Thanks so much for coming on today, Patty. Thank you. We would like to thank Patty Dawson for coming on the Zookeeper's Voice today. I really loved having her on. How about you? Oh, that was awesome. She uh, Very informative stuff, and she's doing some great work down there in Texas. Absolutely. They're making such awesome, awesome changes down there. And I just really look forward to seeing everything that they're doing as time goes on. It's amazing to hear about how astronomical the numbers are of dogs that they are getting asked to take in. They do take in the dogs that are unfortunately passing away. It's 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 crazy what's going on down there. And Patty is doing such like she's doing God's work. Absolutely. And I think that without people like Patty, without organizations like Dallas Dogger, that this would be so much worse and they're just on the road to making it so, so much better. And they're making such an impact, not just on people's lives, but on so many dogs' lives. It's amazing. Amazing work. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we also want to thank you, our listeners, for tuning into the Zookeeper's Voice. Please rate and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. And be sure to stay up to date with all the happenings here at the Zookeeper's Voice on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and thezookeepersvoice.com. For the past, present, and future of all animals, this has been the Zookeeper's Voice. We'll see you next time. Bye.